Well, once again, Cedar Street Baptist Church, good morning. I love you all very much. I'm grateful to be with you in God's house this morning as we open up His Word. And we have reached the finish line of the book of Jonah. I know in four chapters you didn't think there was that much meat on the bone, but we've been taking it apart bite by bite by bite. And now we're at the end of Jonah chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 5 through 11 today. And the title of our message today is Learning Divinely Appointed Lessons. Learning Divinely Appointed Lessons. Of course, we're going to be talking about the mercy of God as we draw this thing to a close because that's what the entire book of Jonah is all about is this wonderful uh, mercy that God has for not only the people of Israel, but for the whole world that he wanted to bless through Israel. I wanted to stop and kind of make application at the very beginning in our own lives. And I want to start with something to think about. Okay, something to think about. What lessons have you learned in your life through a divine appointment from God? Right? What lessons have you learned in your life from a divine appointment from God? I thought about this. I want to give an illustration of a divine appointment that took place in my life. But before I do, let me just quickly define what I mean by divine appointment. In fact, I looked and looked and looked and I did not find a suitable definition. So I'm going to define it myself. All right. I would say divine appointments are key events when we are spiritually aware of God's teaching or guiding us to accomplish his will. Let me say that again. Divine appointments are key events when we are spiritually aware of God teaching or guiding us to accomplish his will. Can I say this? Everybody in this room has experienced divine appointments. And sometimes we're not as spiritually aware of them as we are of others. And sometimes those small appointments lead to the big ones. And we recognize the big ones more so than the small ones. But let me share with you a divine appointment in my life. I know I've shared it in my testimony before. But I think I shared again because it was this crucial moment in my life that has changed everything. Well, in, in 2008, I felt led by the Lord to move back to Georgia where I had some of the best times of my entire life. I graduated from Georgia Southern in 2003, always longed to come back to this area. And I was working in a network of hospitals as a marketing director in northern Pennsylvania, and I was just not happy. And I felt led by the Lord to come down here. And the only place I knew to go was Statesboro because that's where I was in college for five years. Yes, I was on the five-year plan. All right. Got the cheapest, dirtiest apartment that I could find in Statesboro. I found whatever job I could find. I was in uh, working for a a, uh, temp agency, and I was doing temp work everywhere I could find it. Uh, I was working in warehouses. Uh, I was you name it, I was doing it. And I just prayed and prayed and prayed. And I remember somebody telling me that if you pray specifically you'll know when it is that God answers those prayers because God answers specifically. And so I prayed, God, enable me to live here in South Georgia, but enable me to continue my broadcasting career. Now, I don't know if you know this, but especially in broadcasting, you don't move to a smaller town to achieve your goal. You typically move to a bigger town that has more opportunities. Well, here I went from big to small, and I'm saying, God, I want to stay in small. I like small. I do well in small. Help me to find a job that will enable me to use my experiences, but also live where I want to live. It was a lofty goal. It was a lofty wish. I I remember asking and talking with uh, family and friends about any ideas, and they all said, you don't move to the rural south to find a broadcasting job to support your family. They're just not there. Well, I got to the end of my rope, and then one day, I'm telling you, uh, probably less than $100 in my checking account, and I just felt this, this movement of the Holy Spirit to go and speak to my professor at Georgia Southern, who was my advisor while I was in college. 
and we talked for about a half hour, and he told me the same thing everybody else told me. It's you're not going to find a full-time broadcasting job in South Georgia. But towards the end of our discussion, this is what he said. He said, before you go, this probably won't amount to anything, but I got an email the other day from some young man in Metter, Georgia, of all places, and there's this little telephone cooperative that's looking for a broadcaster to do uh, local programming for their cable. And I said, really? He said, yeah, I, I don't even think it's full-time. I don't know anything about it. He said, but uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you want to know more about it, I can, I can print off the email for you. He printed off the email, and I held it in my hand, and I stared at it, and I said, I don't know how much they pay. I don't know how many hours a week it is, but that job is mine. And I put on the nicest outfit I could find. I, I drove all the way down to Metter. I'd never even heard of Metter, Georgia, except for seeds from the sower. I had never... I had never been here. I knew nothing about this area. I drove right to Pineland. I walked right through the doors. I asked for a young man named Jay Franklin. And I said, you don't know me, but I'm going to be your next broadcaster. And he said, we don't even have a budget for that job yet. I was just asking the professor. I said, well, here's my number. When you do, call me. About two months later, he called me and everything changed. Now think about the divine appointments in our life and all the things that it affects. All right, in that moment... If I had come a week earlier or a week later, I, not, I would not have seen or heard of that email. All right, I would never have seen or heard of Metter, Georgia. I would not have moved here. I would never have known of Cedar Street. I would never have met my wife. Uh, my best friend of 30 plus years would have never come to visit me. He would have never heard of Metter, Georgia. He would have never moved here with his family. So your pastor, your youth pastor, this whole church would be a little bit different without the one email, one divine appointment. And yet, let me say this. All of you in this room are where you are today because of a series of divine appointments. And sometimes we're aware of them, the big ones, and sometimes we're not. In fact, most of the time we're aware of the good ones, the divine appointments of blessing. All right, but there are also divine appointments of suffering that God enables us to go into because we learn a lot more in our suffering sometimes than we do in seasons of prosperity. And that's what we're going to be talking about here today. And as we look at the book of Jonah, at, at the end of chapter 4, we're going to see a series of divine appointments, both good and bad, all divinely appointed by God to guide Jonah into his will and to the understanding that God's mercy and love is supposed to be made available to everyone. So what's the big idea? What do I want us to think about as we open up here in Jonah chapter 4? Here's our big idea. Through divine appointments of both prosperity and persecution, God will teach His children to trust and obey His sovereign plan. All right? Through divine appointments of both prosperity and persecution, because we receive both of those divine appointments in our life, God will teach His children to trust and obey His sovereign plan. So, having said that, if you have a Bible, if you would turn with me to the book of Jonah chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible... Your pew Bible, it'll be in page 921, and it'll end in page 922. Again, page 921 through 922, as we're at the end of Jonah chapter 4, verses 5 through 11. And if you would stand out of the reverence of the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant word. Again, we're in Jonah chapter 4, and we're in verses 5 through 11. <clears throat> Hear the word of the Lord starting in verse 5. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant 
and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Let us pray together. Father, again, we love you. And we thank you and praise you for this day. And Father, I am so grateful for your divine appointments. And we are so sensitive to some and yet blind to others. Father, I pray as we open up your word, we would see that you're a God who sets divine appointments, sometimes in prosperity, sometimes in persecution, but all in love and grace as you desire to have your children to know and obey your will. Help us this morning, Father, as we consider the truth here in Jonah chapter 4. Open up our hearts and minds to receive the truth of this word and to respond to this truth in repentance and faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray and God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're talking about divine appointments. And again, everybody in this room has had divine appointments. These key moments in our life where God set things in motion in His sovereign plan and spiritually made us aware of its significance. Sometimes we know when we're in the middle of a divine appointment and sometimes we don't, but God uses these appointments to direct us to fulfill His will. And so as we, as we look through the text, okay, let's look at the text, and as we look through it here, the first of the four appointments that I'd like for us to see is this. Number one, I want us to see a divinely appointed plant, a divinely appointed plant. Look back at the text with me here in verses 5 through 6. Here's what it says. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city to make a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now here's verse 6. Now the Lord God appointed, okay, key word, appointed a plant that made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. All right, let's start from the beginning here in verse 5 and kind of put this in context as we finish up this book of Jonah. So first we see in verse 5 that Jonah goes out of the city and he sits down in the east of the city and he makes a booth. All right, what do we mean by booth? Well, historians would say this booth is basically a hut. And why is Jonah doing this? Because Jonah had made a proclamation that in 40 days the city of Nineveh would be overthrown if they had not repented. Well, they did repent, and God said that he was going to relent from that disaster, but Jonah had yet not seen those 40 days expire, so he wanted to witness this mercy before he went home to report it to the people of Israel. So he gets to a point where he can see the whole city, and he decides to build a shelter, and although it says booth, we probably would understand this best as a hut. All right, he's building a hut, and he's using all the materials that are made local to him all right, so, so with a hut, there could have been a, some stone, there could have been some clay, there could have been some, some branches. But with a hut, 
He didn't have a very secure roof, okay? Roofs in those days were made by strong wooden beams, and he probably didn't have access to those, nor did he probably have the time to build a roof that was that sufficient because he wasn't planning on being there for a very long time. And so what happens? We see here in the text in verse 6 that God appoints a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. Now, what kind of plant would this be? That's the question. I've studied this and studied this and studied this, and I believe the closest thing that we can come to understanding this is probably a castor oil plant because a castor oil plant is one that grows up quickly and can die very quickly. Now, of course, God and His power can make plants rise or fall however He chooses, but most likely this is a castor oil plant and God makes it rise up and it comes over the head of Jonah and it gives him this amazing comfort. And in this, what I want us to see is this divine appointment of a plant is really a divine appointment of mercy. It's a divine appointment of mercy. And how do I know this? Much like earlier in the book of Jonah, where we see that God appointed a fish to show mercy to Jonah that he might live. It says here, look at this word very carefully. All right? In verse 6, Now the Lord God appointed a plant that it may come up over Jonah, that it may be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. God saves Jonah from destruction with the fish, and even something as small as his comfort, he saves him from his discomfort. So once again, we see this wonderful gift of mercy in this divine appointment of a plant. Something as small as a plant God divinely appoints, and he does it to show mercy and to show grace and to show the wonderful gifts that he gives to his children. It is a wonderful appointed gift of mercy. So before we move on to the second divine appointment in our passage, let me pause for a moment of application and just ask, when in your life have you experienced the divine appointment of mercy from God? Because you all have. And sometimes it's hard for us to point those out because of the other divine appointments that we're going to talk about, appointments of suffering and judgment and those types of things. But God is a God of mercy. In fact, common grace says that God gives gifts to children of God and non-children of God, to Christians and non-Christians alike, because God is a good God. So stop and think about areas where God has blessed you with gifts of mercy. I mean, even think about where we're coming up to now on April 15th. Maybe you don't think of your tax return as a gift of mercy. Some people are expecting more mercy than others, I suppose. All right, but everything that comes out of God's gracious hand is a gift to be enjoyed, to be received, and to be used for His glory. Maybe you're married. The person next to you right now is someone that maybe you're not having the best of times with, and so it's hard to see what an amazing gift that God has given you. But can I say, if you're married, you've experienced an unbelievable act of grace, of mercy and provision that you'd have a partner to walk through this life with. God is a God of divine appointments, both big and small. And even in the small things, we can see His mercy. We can see His goodness. We can see His grace. That's what we see when we see a divinely appointed plant. But let us move further down the passage here. All right, number two, I want us to see a divinely appointed pest. A divinely appointed pest here in verse 7. Verse 7 says this, when God, when, But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, so it withered. Now, a couple of weeks ago I said that God has an active will and God has a passive will, so that God can allow passively sinful things to happen, and yet He's not the author of sin, but He has an active will where He'll also be in charge of things happening. He'll appoint things to happen. 
And here, this is not passive. This is active. It's not that God just allowed a worm to come. He actively appointed a worm to come and destroy the very plant that he created. This is another divine appointment. And this is where we start to turn away from God and say, I don't want to talk about these things. I love it when we talk about divine appointments of mercy. But right here we see a divine appointment of judgment. We see a divine appointment of judgment. And when we come to these things, we tend to put God in our courtroom and say, how could you do this? You gave Jonah this wonderful leaf, this wonderful gift of shade in a very hot and, and uh, baltry area, you know, the scorching sun as we'll see. I mean, it's just balmy, it's hot, it's sticky, and God gives him this gift of a leaf. And then all of a sudden, in one day as he gives the gift, he also takes it away. And the first thing that we want to say is, how could you? Who are you to do that? And God shows us by giving and then by taking away that He is the Creator and He can do as God pleases. He can do as He pleases. In fact, one of the reasons that I believe that He does this, and we'll talk more about this in point three, but I I really believe this with all my heart, He does this because we learn more in suffering and we learn more in persecution than we do in prosperity. It's in the suffering that we stop and go back to God and get on our knees. And so what happens when the pest is, is there? All of a sudden what's been given has now been taken away and Jonah is turning his direct attention to God. It reminds me of one particular passage in the Scriptures. And I think of the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 21. I think of these words. Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, one of my favorite songs is a song, uh, it's a new song, it's a contemporary song, came out a couple of years ago, and has some of the most challenging lyrics that you will ever hear in a song. The title of the song is called, Though You Slay Me, S-L-A-Y, Though You Slay Me, all right? The author of the song, the, the composer of the song, the one who sings it, um, there's two Shanes, they're groups, Shane and Shane, and uh, one of the Shanes had the uh, inspiration to write this song because when his father died, he was in the hospital room with his mother and his mother was on her knees crying and she kept saying these words over and over and over again. You give and you take. You give and you take. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's easy to praise God when he gives. It is hard to praise God when he takes. But he is God. We need to know that he is a good God, that he does not take because he enjoys torturing anybody. But he's got a sovereign plan. And he gives us these divine appointments to align us with his sovereign plan. And we can't see the end of the plan. If we could, it would make sense. But we're in the middle of it. We can't see the beginning from the end like God can. And therefore, we put God in our courtroom and we say, God, who are you to take away? And God says, I give and I take away. And we respond, blessed be the name of the Lord. But as we'll learn, that's not exactly how Jonah responds. And if we're being honest with ourselves, we don't typically respond that way when we are in divine appointments of judgment either. It's something that we struggle with but it's a part of who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. Now, that's a divinely appointed pest, but let's go further down here to number three. I want us to see a divinely appointed punishment here in verse eight. All right, verse eight. So he not only gets the worm to take away the leaf, but now things get a little bit worse. Verse eight says this. 
When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. All right, so we've seen the plant, we've seen the pest, now we're in the middle of the punishment. All right, we said that the, the plant was a divine appointment of mercy. We said the pest was a divine appointment of judgment. But now we see a divine appointment of suffering. And again, as believers in Jesus Christ, we face these things in our life. And when we do, again, we question God. We question His goodness. We question His mercy. We question His plan. But you know what? When God does what He does in this verse, this is the only way that He could truly get Jonah's attention because God is in the business of changing our hearts And as we learned, Jonah's heart did not change in the belly of that fish. He was obedient after he got spit out of the fish and went and did what God called him to do, but his heart had not changed. He still did not want to see his enemies experience the same mercy that his own people were receiving as as the nation of Israel. His heart had not changed. And so God puts him through drastic measures to get his attention. Again, we serve a good God. God's not torturing him. God is not some overgrown child with a magnifying glass trying to burn the ears off an ant. That's not who God is. God is enabling him to experience pain because in this pain, he wants to change God's, or Jonah's heart to align with his will. And I think about this all the time. Romans chapter 8, I know some were going through this chapter in the Sunday school hour. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. It talks about uh, that God can appoint pain in our lives, that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, that we also may be glorified with Him. You're not going to see that on Christian television. You're not going to read that from best-selling authors. They're not going to talk about the suffering that we experience as Christians, and so when we experience it, it surprises us. Can I be honest? When I first became a Christian in, in 2007 and in 2008, I went through the worst part of my life, and I thought, what? God, I gave my life to you. I quit baseball. I've I've dedicated everything I have to you, and now I'm more miserable than I was before. But I learned so much in that season. Even as, as as someone who's only been a pastor since August, the greatest learning experiences have come at the expense of people pointing out things that I could do better. Can I tell you, it doesn't bless my soul the way that it should when someone corrects me, but we all need correction. All right, I've made mistakes, and I'm going to continue to make mistakes, but I'm trying my best to be receptive to learn from those things. And as a pastor who's also trying to shepherd people, when I explain the truth of God, and I I hope the response will be the same way. It's not easy as a pastor also to receive correction, but to offer correction to others as well. It's the hardest part I have as, as my job. People do not want to be corrected. I understand it doesn't feel good, but God will use these appointments to direct us back onto the path that He has chosen for us. We go through these seasons of suffering. Again, it's something that God appoints for us. And it's, something that's, it's not something that we want to go back and experience as we find healing from this suffering. But we can also say that we've learned from these things more so than anything else. I believe this with all of my heart. When you look back at your life, you will have said, I've learned 10 times more in my persecution than I have in my prosperity. Because the, the more that God blesses us, the more that we think that we did it ourselves. But when God enables us to go through persecution, then we're at a point of surrender. 
And we ask for God's help to get us through the day. And we draw close to Him. And that's the purpose of the suffering, that God, God always has a greater end in mind when we suffer. This leads us to, to fourth and finally, if we've had a, a divinely appointed plant, pest, and punishment, now we see the big picture here. All right, Number four, I want us to see a divinely appointed plan. A divinely appointed plan as God unveils this plan to Jonah. The whole reason for the plant, the pest, and the punishment. Let's look at verses 9 through 11. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who did not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? God is revealing his plan. God is taking Jonah all the way back to the beginning of this passage that we read. And he said, okay, Jonah, now you're starting to put the pieces of the puzzle together. I blessed you with the gift of mercy, this plant. And oh, you fell in love with this plant. This plant gave you wonderful shade and comfort for a complete night. But as the plant was taken away from you and you got angry, not, because of, not just because of your discomfort, but because you really love that plant, I want you to stop and think. <clears throat> You've poured all your energy into this plant that you didn't plant to grow yourself. You've got nothing to do with it. I gave it to you and I took it away from you and you care so much about it, but it's here in a day and it's gone tomorrow. Why don't you care about the 120,000 people who are going to die and go to hell? They don't know their right hand from their left. That's just an idiom that basically says they are so deep in their sin, they don't have a way out. They can't, they can't even get out of the evil that they're in because they don't, they don't know the right hand from their left. They don't know good from bad. They don't know right from wrong. And you care more about a plant than you do about these people. Jonah's so angry about the plant that he wants to die. This is the same Jonah that experienced the unbelievable mercy of being rescued in a fish. And his heart still didn't change. And God said, do you do well to be angry? He challenged him again. Another way of saying that would be that he would say, what makes you think you have a right to be angry? That's another way of translating that. Jonah, who are you to put me as God in your courtroom? I know you're angry about a plant, but Jonah, put this in perspective. The plant's here today and it's gone tomorrow. It's just a plant. I know it's been hot. I know your neck is pretty sunburned at this point. And you've experienced a little bit of discomfort. But think about these 120,000 people who will experience eternity without me. That puts it in perspective. Enable that to be put in perspective in our own lives. As we kind of draw this thing to a close, I want us to see this divinely appointed plan that he unfolds. All right, this divine appointment of mercy that he showed through the plan. It's, it's God's gifts of joy and comfort and blessing that he offers to his people. But this divine appointment of judgment, the judgment that came from the pest, this is God's sovereign power to give and to take as he pleases. And then the divine appointment of suffering is God showing his sovereign choice of wanting to give mercy to the entire world that the mercy offered through salvation is a lot more important than the mercy offered through a plant that gives shade. This is what God cares about. And by the way, let me say this before we draw to a close by summing it all up. I'm sure you noticed that it seems very strange how the book of Jonah ends. It ends with a question. In fact, it's only one of two books that ends in a question like this. The other one, I think, is the book of Nahum, and both those prophecies have to do with the city of Nineveh, surprisingly enough. 
Why does, why does the book end like this? All right, some people think there's a whole page missing. There's another page that should tell us how the story ended. Well, I believe that we have exactly what God intended for us to have. And you know why it stops right there? Because I believe God has put the pen in your hand, in your hand. And he's saying, your life's the final chapter. What are you going to do with the mercy of God? How are you going to respond? Do you care more about the comforts of your life than of the mercy that God wants to extend to the rest of the world? I believe God is calling our lives to be the final chapter, the final paragraph of this entire book of Jonah. So what are we going to do with it? The divine appointments that God sets in our life. I think everybody in this room loves the divine appointments of mercy. But are you willing to receive from God's hand divine appointments of judgment and divine appointments of suffering? It's not that God doesn't love us. He does it because He loves us. And He does it because through us He wants to bless the rest of the world. So let's sum all this up. Let's put a a pretty little bow on it, no pun intended. All right? Summing it all up, God's sovereign plan culminated with the divine appointment of His Son dying on a cross. So when we need to learn to offer mercy as often as we receive it. All right? That sums up not only this chapter, but the whole book of Jonah. All right? The theme for this book is Lord have mercy. God has extended us unbelievable mercy because of that cross right there. And should that mercy stop with us? Or should that mercy be offered through us to the rest of the world? God is using divine appointments to align us with His plan so that much like Jonah, we would be offering mercy and grace to the rest of the world. Are we willing to take part in His plan and be instruments of His mercy? Or like Jonah, do we care more about our comfort than we do about the salvation of others? That's questions that we have to ask ourselves. So what's our takeaways for today before we pray out? I want us to do three things as we we, uh, draw to a close. I want us to recognize, remember, and repent. So what do we have to recognize? Well, recognize God's divine appointments in your life. This week alone... I guarantee you will experience a divine appointment of some kind that God has is, is placed in your life, a specific person or a specific situation because He wants you to be aware of His presence and He wants you to be aligned with His plan. It could be an appointment of mercy and grace. It could be an appointment of judgment. It could be an appointment of suffering. But it is divinely appointed and God is waiting to see how you're going to respond. All right? I also want us to remember, what do, I, what do I want us to remember? That God will show mercy on whoever He pleases. It pleases God to show mercy to everyone. It's it's a gift and it's not supposed to stop with us. It's supposed to be offered through us to the rest of the world. And then finally, to repent. To ask God to change your hearts, our hearts, towards our enemies. We're going to enter into a time of invitation and this draws us to a close with the book of Jonah. I've enjoyed walking through this journey with you the last eight weeks as we've considered in such a small book such an amazing God with gifts of mercy and gifts of grace. And so I pray as we offer this invitation and the altars are open, I pray for a few things. Number one, maybe you've not recognized the divine appointment of salvation that's been offered on the cross. And maybe you haven't, you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say something? God divinely appointed for you to be here today to hear what I just preached. It's not about my message, it's God's message. But he appointed you to be in this church to know 
that you are in need of salvation and God has offered you what you need through Jesus Christ. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves, taking the punishment for our sins on the cross. He also did what we could not do for ourselves, earning the righteousness that we need to stand before a holy God, and he exchanged our sin for his righteousness. And our response is to repent of our sin and place our faith in him. If you've never done that, as we sing a time of invitation, I would urge you, come forward. Come forward and pray. Okay, you can pray alone or I would be happy to pray with you. But after the service, come and share with me what God is doing in your life. And I would love to pray with you and, and, and talk to you about what it means to be saved and what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. For those of you who are Christians, there are divine appointments happening in your life every moment and you may not know it. But I would just urge you to be receptive, be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Okay, they're not all pleasant, but they're all meaningful. There's not one ounce of pain that you've ever experienced that does not have purpose. If you're a Christian, all of it's meaningful. How are you going to respond to it? What's God teaching you in this divine appointment in life that God has given you today? Those are the things that I'd like for us to consider as we have our time of invitation. And having said that, as we draw to a close one more time and say, Lord, have mercy. I pray mercy on you and on your families. And may the mercy of God not rest on us, but be used through us to be offered to the rest of the world. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. Father, we thank you. And Father, we praise you for this gift that you've given us, this gift of mercy, grace, and salvation offered through your Son. Father, if there's any in this room who have not known your Son as Lord and as Savior, I pray that you would move in their hearts and they would respond in repentance and faith in your Son. And for those that do know your Son, Father, help us to be more aware of divine appointments that we could respond in faith, that we could be a part of your plan and be obedient to your will. Be with us now, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.